It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Change makers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. Fear of death is probably the one fear that most people have in common. For many, overcoming this fear is a lifelong process. After helping her significant other Brent go through 18 months of living with and eventually dying from cancer, today's guest Claire Goldsberry wanted to share not only her experience, but also the broader picture of what living fearlessly and dying gracefully means for all of us. As a hospice volunteer for two years after Brent's death, she became acutely aware of just how important it is for the dying person and that person's family and friends to understand the process. Claire is the author of the book, The Illusion of Life and Death, Mind, Consciousness, and Eternal Being. Welcome, Claire. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Joan. So, Claire, let's begin by talking about Brent and what you both experienced during those 18 months. Well, I think when anyone gets uh, a diagnosis of uh, what is uh, certainly to be a terminal illness, it can be very disruptive to life, to say the least. Um, A lot of people uh, experience fear. Uh, I experienced the fear. Grant was such a different kind of a, a person. He was very open to life. He was very um, uh, adventuresome person. And he really didn't experience any fear. In fact, when he got the diagnosis, uh, he looked at me and he said, well, he said, this should be another great adventure. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, my goodness, how can you say that? It's just I've never known anybody with cancer before. Everybody in my family lives so long. And so this was uh, something new for me to experience. Fortunately, um, I had been studying uh, Buddhism, um, and I sort of had this idea that, okay, death, dying, because Buddhism talks a lot about death and dying, but this was going to be my uh, challenge to turn this intellectual um, meaning that I had of, of death and dying through my Buddhist studies into something that would become a realization for me. And so going with him on this 18-month journey was interesting because he was very nonchalant about the whole thing, and which challenged me to find the meaning in all of this, not only for him, but for me in my, uh, in my path. And so I think that uh, learning about death and dying from a real standpoint, from somebody who was actually in front of me every day going through this process, especially toward the end, really helped me understand more about what it means to live a fearless life and to have a good death. Why do you think Brent was able to face this diagnosis so nonchalantly? What was his character or personality like? 
Well, he was a really funny person. Uh, he had a great wit. He was never really fearful of anything. Uh, he had lost his father to stomach cancer when he was uh, 16 years old. And that didn't even seem to phase him. I mean, he told me about it, but he just was not, he played sports. He was, you know, he was, uh, you know, his, he was a professional person and that he was uh, in management and he just seemed to go with the flow. Anything that, that happened, it just never affected him one way or the other. I guess you could say that without even knowing anything about Buddhism, Brent lived in equanimity. And, and that is no aversion to things we don't want and no attachment to what we do want. And I think that he just had this natural ability to accept whatever came along and not let it affect him. I was amazed. Do you think that was one of the biggest lessons that you learned from this experience, to accept what is? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you can read it in Buddhist books or any psychology books or anything, and you can read that. You know, go with the flow, accept what is. But when you're really confronted with it, can you do it? It's one thing to read about it and go, oh, yeah, 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 I, I get that. And it's something totally different when you have to face it every day. Can I live with this? Can I go with the flow? Brent could, could I? And that was the real challenge. And it's, it was definitely one of my big lessons. You know, when a person gets a diagnosis like this, there are so many fears that come into play. Fear of the unknown of what happens after you die. Fear of what this illness may bring as far as suffering or treatment. And then I think that there are all of those regrets, the the fear that you're going to not be here to accomplish or to do or say all of the things that you didn't while you were alive. When you look back at that time, what impacted your life the most moving forward? Did, was it the part of fear of the, the death process or is it more fear of not living? Well, I, I can't say that I really had uh, any fear of the, of the death process. I used the Tibetan Book of Living and Dying uh, by Sogo Rinpoche uh, as kind of a, a guide toward the end when he actually began going through the dying process. At that point, I felt more like I could help him as if he needed help. Um, but I, it also taught me the process. I wasn't really afraid of that. I think the thing that people fear most when a loved one is dying is how will this impact my life when they are no longer here? And that's where we have the, the ego in this. And a lot of the fear comes from our ego. You know, what is my life going to be like? Uh, I can't live without this person. How am I going to live without this person? And so the ego kind of gets in the way. And I think one of the things is learning to, to transcend ego and not to let my feelings and how I'm going to live without him and what I'm going to do. But this was about 
Brent. This was about his path, his journey. What I had to learn to do is make it part of my journey in a way that did not interfere with what he needed to do to have a good death. And so you write about a good death. What does that actually mean, to have a good death? Well, I came to believe that having a good death is really about living in such a way that we don't cling so tightly to life uh, with fear uh, and resent the and resist the events that confront us or or allow things that happen in life to to make us fearful. Uh, a good death is about not fearing what is beyond. A good death is not fearing the process. Um, and and for many people, it is a process. Uh, some people die quickly. Others go through this, this process uh, of dying. And I think that it's one that we allow life to kind of flow through us, knowing that ultimately our death will be just another event on the path, which was how Brent looked at it, just another adventure. A good death is one that's peaceful, um, without clinging to this body, that really at some point no longer serves us uh, on the physical level. Uh, A good death is an easy death. Um, It might not be one without pain, but it can be one without suffering. In Buddhism, we're taught that um, often pain is not a choice. The physical body feels pain. But suffering is a choice. Um, And I think that's the difference. And so we can learn to, to not suffer, to live with and die without fear, uh, without regrets, or wishing that things were different. Um, you know, that's this idea of you know, having a version to what we don't like. You know, we always wish things were different. Uh, I don't like this. I don't want this in my life. But ultimately, we have to embrace that as the path and go with the flow. Yeah. And that's why I had asked that question about some people coming to the end and fearing that they hadn't lived. And, and you know, I, I know for myself, like, I don't want my life to end without having actually lived, without doing the things that I wanted to do. And, and I think it's just a great reminder for all of us about how precious life is and to be living while we are alive, you know, not wait until we encounter a difficult situation or an illness that kind of wakes us up, we should wake up now while we're healthy and enjoy every moment. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, they say death is certain, the time of our death is uncertain. So you, you've got to live in the present, you've got to live in the now, and, and believe that you are living the life you were meant to live, and not, you know, not waste our precious human life on frivolous kinds of things, or on regrets, or on fears of what might be. None of us know what might be tomorrow. Um, None of us know what might be an hour from now. So I think it's really important to learn to live, take the life we have and learn to live it in the here and the now and do our best to produce our meaning and our purpose in our lives. Claire, many years ago, I interviewed a woman by the name of Maggie Callanan, and she had written a book called Final Gifts. And she was a hospice nurse, and the book was about the lessons that she learned from the dying. And she believes that there's beauty 
witnessed in people who were dying. There are things that we miss. You've worked as a hospice volunteer. What do you believe that the dying can teach us about life if we're paying attention? Well, I think there are, are several things that the dying can teach us. And I think one of those is this idea of just going with it. I think, in fact, what I saw most was it was harder on the loved ones than it was on the dying person to die. And again, it's that the, the loved one's ego that inserts itself into this. And they, you know, I don't want to lose this person. What am I going to do without this person? And I often saw the loved ones that were so much more upset about the dying person's impending death than, than the dying person was. And I thought that was always interesting. And I, I, we had been warned uh, in our hospice classes that often um, it's the, the relatives that are close to the, uh, to the dying patient that can often cause a lot of uproar. Um, and you know how we were to handle it, and you know not let them get out of control because they can get out of control. It's, it's interesting the way people are impacted by someone who's dying, and I've often thought that's because we don't teach people about death and dying. I didn't study anything about death and dying until I started studying Buddhism. I never even thought about it really. And, and I think that that's where we lack sometimes. We, we don't teach people about death and dying. We don't teach them that it is a process. And I think that one of the things that we have to learn is that it just is. It is what it is. We can't avoid death. And, and we can look at it as just the other side of life. It's a flip of the switch. It's now you're manifest on this material plane. Now you're not manifest on this material plane, but you're still manifest. And I think we need to learn about what death is, what the dying process is. And I don't think we do that really well in the West. I think the Eastern philosophies such as Buddhism and Hinduism do that much better. And I think learning about death and dying and the process is really key. Going back to that interview I had with Maggie, she had said that one of the best things we could do for someone that is dying is, is we could let that person go. We can tell them, him or her, that we're going to be okay and that they can move on. What do you believe is the best gift that we can give to someone who is dying? Well, I too have said that, that, um, that knowing that it's okay for them to go. And here again, I think it's uh, oftentimes the, the, the friends and loved ones and relatives that are at the dying person's bedside that get, can get upset and, and, it, and it makes the dying person almost feel guilty about dying. Um, so I do think that, that the best gift we can give them is to, to let go. It's okay. You know, this is your path, not mine. So I'm not going to stay here and, and go, oh my goodness, you know, I can't live without you. Please don't die. And, and I've seen that happen. And, and it's, it, it's really difficult. So I do think that that's one of the best gifts we can give them is permission to live out the final days of their path in the physical plane. When my father was dying, I didn't know this and, and I clung to him more tightly. It was harder for me to let him go. But then I had learned this. And when my mother was dying, 
I was able to tell her that I would be okay and that she could go. And, you know, these all these years later, when I look back at both of those passings, for me, it was actually better. I feel better about having let my mother go and letting her pass with more of a sense of peace. That's beautiful. That's really, and that's really what it's, uh, what it's about. And it gave you a sense of peace, too, to be able to do that for her. Right. So... Claire, we're starting a new year, and with what you've learned, what do you want us to know that can help us move forward? Well, I think one of the things we all need to learn is to live without fear of death, Um, to live in equanimity without attachments to things we hold close and without aversion to those things that we don't want in life. Um, I, I, that's why I focus a lot on fear in the book because we see, um, we see a lot of fear. People experience a lot of fear and, and I think that taking the steps, going with the flow, being able to embrace all of the past, no matter what that is and not to be afraid of, of suffering to know that suffering can be a choice, uh, not to be fearful of, of what might be in the future. Uh, we fear things that might happen. And yet what a waste of energy is fearing what might happen. And I think learning to live in the very present moment and, and being grateful, being grateful for every day that we have, uh, being grateful for this precious human life, um, and, and learning to appreciate all that, that we have. Uh, and I think just learning that dying is not so difficult. Uh, when Brent, just before he died, um, he said to me, he said, dying is easy. He said, I thought it would be harder than this, but it's so easy. And that is something that I have taken with me. Um, that's what I will carry with me always that dying is easy. And I've seen people who, who did die easily. I've seen people who died really, really in difficult ways in that they were afraid, that they didn't want to go, that I mean, it's just been very hard. So I think we need to learn to, to live fearlessly so that we can die fearlessly. And I think that's probably the best thing we can do for ourselves going forward. The book is The Illusion of Life and Death, Mind, Consciousness, and Eternal Being. If you would like to learn more about Claire and her work, you can visit clairegoldsberry.com. Claire, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Joan. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided is the opinion of our guests and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, listen to past shows on demand, read the digital magazine, sign up for our mailing list, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in.